Good morning and welcome to the Tech Central podcast. My name is Daniel Rovis and I'll be your host for today. Today we are joined by Nick Durant, who is coming from Bluegrass Digital. Nick, I wish I could have bought you a cup of coffee. I'm on about my sixth for today, so I might start shaking through this podcast. If you've got a terrible cup of coffee, unfortunately, that's your fault. Are you a coffee Don't drinker? Worry. I'm all sorted, Daniel. Oh, that's we won't perfect. we won't share the brand, but yeah, I'm on, on to number three already. Uh, that it seems to be the the lifeblood of us in IT and services, doesn't it? Are you a coffee aficionado? I do try to control myself, but I do love my coffee and getting to a point where you're a bit of a connoisseur and how you grind your beans and so forth. But I try and limit myself because otherwise I'll end up with a bit of a a shaky afternoon, which I can't really control. Certainly, as the older I get. <laughs> it is one of the drawbacks of getting older. It's one of the privileges is that our bodies change and we can't handle what we used to. Never even bring into it good beer because uh, there's too much of that that's passed through, hasn't it? No, sure. I mean, that's why it runs into their different type of teas now. I'm trying to migrate to green teas and so <laughs> forth. But anyway, it's a difficult transition. Now, Nick, Bluegrass has been around for a while, Bluegrass Digital. Why the name Bluegrass? Are you a music fan? Is it from the environment? Where does it come from? It comes from where you probably think it comes from, from the U.S., the southern states. In fact, that's where the name obviously was born, from the bluegrass, the type of grass there and the music that goes with it. In fact, it was my brother James, who's a co-founder, a school friend who was an American at school in the early days when the business really started in the mid-90s, who loved that name Bluegrass, and he was a Bluegrass everything, and he sort of wanted it to become a company name like the Virgin brand is, and it sort of stuck in those early days, and as time's gone on, we've obviously kept it there, and it becomes a bit of a quirky story to clients and a conversation point. Oh, that's stunning. This is a highly competitive space that you work in, and you've been going for 20 years. You've shown the test of time. Why do customers stay with Bluegrass? What is the Bluegrass experience? I think it's, as you say, the experience is a key word because it counts for so much. And only through experience can you build reputation. You know, it's been a long road, and we've almost started when being in the technology industry certainly wasn't a primary industry in the sort of mid-90s, when we were sort of a jack-of-all-trades and evolved into more of a software development business. And obviously, we've honed in on our customer relationships. Some of them we've been working for 10 or 15 years. And it's about consistency, you know, those kind of long-term investment terms that are used by one of our customers, Coronation, and Alan Gray, in fact, it's all about long-term investing. And then that's what we kind of focus on is head down and consistency, driving service delivery, because although we're building solutions, we also need to ensure our processes are honed in. And that's what it really comes down to, managing our production line, essentially, you know, in the manufacturing sense and making sure we deliver a consistent experience and service to the customer. This is, I've said it the second time, is probably not great. It's a competitive space, yet you work in South Africa and you have got customers overseas. You're quite well known and established in South Africa. Are you making progress in this expansion out of the borders? And how do you do that? 
Yes, I mean, we've in fact started the other way around. We started in the UK, well, certainly with a UK focus and having an office in Cape Town back in the late 90s during that dot-com year in the UK. So when the sort of work we do today, which is sort of considered mainstream, you know, software development and web development and mobile applications, back then it was certainly not the case. And Mm. it was an age when things were obviously opening up. Amazon was born and all these sort of dot-com company brands that we know and some of them have disappeared were emerging. And so there was a lot of excitement. And in South Africa, I suppose not a lot was done in those days. And so our focus became the UK. I went over there after university. I worked in the city in the corporate environment for sort of four or five years and then really set up Bluegrass in London in sort of the late 90s during that period. And our focus became very quickly UK only focused with a back office in South Africa. And so we worked with customers on projects through those years, all sorts of exciting different multinational projects. We exposed ourselves to large corporation work and e-commerce during those kind of dot-com years. And I suppose that also helped us prepare ourselves to deliver really what is an international standard of work into South Africa when I returned here in 2011, digital was emerging and we we started doing a lot more work locally here and, and obviously bringing that experience that we earned overseas into the local market in South Africa, you know, went a long way. We were suddenly maybe, you call us a bigger fish and we by no means a big company, but we are a bigger fish in a smaller pond, so to speak, because the, obviously the UK and Europe are, are highly competitive. You know, even in London, it's its own economy itself in a sense. Yeah, and, and that's allowed us to grow ourselves quite a lot in the last five or six years in the South African market. And we continue to do work now across different European countries. I mean, obviously, the internet allows us to do that. And um, we've done a few projects this year, even out of the US in New York for some customers. So, you know, there's no real boundaries any longer in the, the work that we do. That's so nice. You know, around the Bry, we often hear of people moving the other way, moving over the waters. And I'm so privileged on this podcast that I get to interview leaders like yourself that has come home and bringing that expertise here and bringing that experience from working overseas and investing in Cape Town seems to be the place to be. Um, I'll just stay in Johannesburg. But I just want to shout out for that and honor you for bringing it back and investing in South Africa. How's that been since 2011 to 2021 where we are? We've had a pandemic, we've had various changes and challenges. Is your heart still firmly in Cape Town? Very much so. I mean, I suppose when I left the UK, it was really to wanting to return. I had young children. There was certainly a, a shift happening in the UK. There was the credit crisis things were changing. It was a good transition period in my life, I suppose. And, you know, I hit the ground running here. And there's no doubt that obviously South Africans are generally challenged by our environment in terms of Mm. our business environment, our political environment. I don't think we need to comment around all those challenges. And those obviously skill us in terms of like remaining focused and working hard and making things work. I suppose I love, I mean, there's no doubt having traveled a lot around the world and lived in different parts of the world. 
Cape Town is one of the most special places I've visited. You could say I'm being biased, but obviously the, what's on our doorstep makes the living work life uh, fantastic. Yeah. And, and obviously it's a tech hub in itself, you know, a media and tech hub that Cape Town has become now. And, you know, it's a great base to run our business from. And it's no longer a hidden city on the map, you know. I mean, back probably 15, 20 years ago, South Africa could have been more of a swear word and Cape Town was probably very much unknown, you know, certainly in conversation with customers around the world. But now we're well entrenched as a city and big companies like the Amazons and so forth are setting up their bases here. And it's a great place to run a business like we do from Cape Town. Why do customers come to Bluegrass? What are the major problems they're trying to solve? It's obviously probably ring-fenced in a word called solutions. We are a solutions business. We work with customers on solving problems or making them realize their dreams in some respects. We essentially build websites and mobile applications, products and platforms for customers, which will then obviously be a big part of their business in terms of forming part of their ecosystem. So... Yeah, ultimately, I suppose they're also impacting their, maybe indirectly or directly, their top or bottom line, you know, in their business. So as a solutions business, we're there to help clients, you know, realize their potential through what we do. What is the common mistake that you see customers making again and again and again before they engage with your team or even midway through? You deal with different shapes and sizes. Some are more organized and some are not. But our job is there is to make sure all the ducks are in a row, I suppose, before any customer embarks on a project with us, even make sure what they're doing is actually the right idea or concept. But generally, it's all kind of under the banner of planning. They always talk about bad planning will obviously lead to failure. And that comes down to making sure the customer has really looked at their audience, looked at what they're trying to achieve, defined their objectives and KPIs. We obviously help them with that through workshop sessions where we help unpack the detail of any particular project. We then use UX tools to really prototype out what they're trying to build essentially. And those obviously are the kind of key parts of the initial process, which will then allow them to define what will be a blueprint for what they're trying to create, I suppose. So you know, sometimes customers do try and shortcut that because they just want to get in and get into building the application. Yeah. And lots of mistakes can be made in that process without sort of proper planning. I've got a saying that's been running, running through my mind and out my mouth quite often lately, which is thinking is the unfair advantage, which is open to everyone. I think I should coin that because not enough people do the thinking. Uh, especially South Africans. We've got to be doing stuff. We've got to be building stuff. But actually, you need to be thinking a little bit beforehand. And when I read the bluegrass stuff, there seems to be a lot of thought that's gone into how you take a customer through the journey. What's the most important lesson you've learned through this time of taking customers through this journey? Yeah, there is a bit of patience involved in the process, especially with the planning phase and the thinking phase, as you mentioned, because it's often not the sexy part in a sense, but a lot more these days is focused around the user experience. So 
I mean, probably going back 10, 15 years, you know, there wasn't much focus on that space. So how you or I as business customers or consumers interact with the interface, you know, that makes it easy to do something or not is quite a critical part of the process to lead to either a successful implementation or not. So the user experience side and the UI design become critical components now, even in the B2B space. You know, you think about your online banking or how as a business customer, I interact with a supplier platform interface. You know, how easy that is to do business with you plays a big role in terms of how fast it is to do something and so forth. So, you know, the UX plays a far bigger role than it used to in the past. Mm. I think that sounds solid. Okay. Nick, Lugras, family business, but family doesn't just run it now. You're surrounded by good people. How much of the projects are your hands still on and how much is out there? And have you got the next generation building? What is your attitude to building your next layer of leadership within the organization? So that has been in play for a while. I'm not hands-on, you know, particularly like I used to be. We run a kind of proper, call it a corporate structure, but there is kind of management tier within the organization now. I really focus around supporting that as well as the commercial activities and strategic activities. Mm-hmm. So we have kind of across the UI, UX, thinking, strategy side, management within the project management and client services, some management, and then within the engineering team management tool. And that's overseen by an operations and delivery director, Mark Hawkins, who's essentially my number two in a sense. We are a very process-driven organization. We have to with lots of moving parts and running multiple projects at different phases at, at all times. So you know, as we grow the business, the investment in people and the right people is a critical path. And you'll probably hear this with any IT services business that obviously finding people and skills are critical to success. That obviously marries with our culture as an organization and the values that we instill and making sure that's all aligned because, you know, I suppose, you know, you can't hire the wrong person in a role that doesn't fit your culture. So there are a number of factors when finding the right people. And, that, you know, as a people-based business, it's it's critical that we do invest in hiring and our processes around hiring, you know, is also critical because we run quite rigid testing processes now in terms of hiring someone that's joining the team, doing peer-to-peer interviews or 180s or 360s in terms of the process, making sure it's all aligned and there's kind of not just a top-down sort of approach to hiring someone. Excellent. That's really good. I was thinking I sent you a couple of questions and then I thought to myself, what would a competitor say about Nick Durant and the team of Bluegrass? If we're walking into a pitch together and a competitor looks up and they see bluegrass, what would they say to me? Well, hopefully they will, and in most cases, you've been referred to us. So with that comes our reputation, which we hold here in the sense that we strive to achieve happy customer experiences. And that's not only something that I'm, I'm saying for the sake of it, it's actually something we drive within our business in terms of our KPIs, which are aligned to our values within reviews, but also with how we access testimonials from customers, because customers are not going to obviously give you one 
unless they've had a great experience. Your website, is full of, your website is full of them. And that really speaks to me where someone's willing to put their name next to a brand that they've enjoyed the experience. So just kudos to you for that. That's really amazing. Yes, thank you. And I think I mentioned to you the other day that we have a, a net NPS scoring metric in our organization because after projects, we follow up with a customer survey, which touches on all the kind of departments or areas of the project that they were engaged with. That helps us get uh, feedback. We use independent reviewers as well that interview clients to get these testimonials. So I think we all can agree that you you won't be getting those unless there is positive feedback. I mean, even with constructive feedback, it's, it's good to keep feeding back and learning in your business. One thing in this industry is that you don't stop learning. You're having to almost continually reinvent yourself and refocus all the time because new processes, new tools are coming out all the time, better ways of doing things. Mm. And you learn from your clients as well in terms of what works and what doesn't work. And that it's a continual evolving process. Mm. Nick, how would a customer get hold of Bluegrass? What is the most common way that they get hold of you guys? And uh, what's the first toe in the water with you? I suppose it all starts with Google. But generally, you know, you've either been introduced to us or referred to us You know, relationships are key to any service business. And that's where it starts about obviously forming that relationship. And how and where that happens, it tends to happen either through an inquiry on our website, bluegrassdigital.com, or, you know, through LinkedIn and our social pages. I think these days lead generation is also a key component. I mean, as you mentioned earlier, it's a highly competitive space. Not only in South Africa, but overseas. So all these things we do around testimonials all help that process. And then when that engagement happens, it generally will be a conversation. We generally help customers a lot up front in terms of giving away some strategy insights. Mm. If we invite people or not the right people to work with. And then we generally go through a proposal process or a pitch process with them to define what they're looking to build or create and then obviously pricing that accordingly. And then we either will work and do the commercials and so forth and work in a more agile approach or more, I suppose, waterfall-based approach, depending on their setup, you know, on their side, yeah. because we you have to be flexible today in ways of working. Sure. Who's generally your customer? Is it the CDO? Is it CMO, CIO, CFO? I mean, because we work with startups as well as corporate customers, it does vary in terms of, you know, sometimes it's the the co-founder or the business owner. And other times it is the CMO or potentially the CIO or CTO, because sometimes we engage as a technical partner to deliver a mobile solution for a customer. Sometimes it's a piece of work that comes out of the marketing team. So, you know, it does vary because we are generally building custom solutions for customers, mm-hmm. you know, where those requirements come from do vary, but it definitely sits between the marketing and technology space. Overseas, there's a phrase called creative technology company, and that's kind of what we are. You know, we work within both creative and technology, essentially. Awesome. You are no longer the young startup on the block. We're both showing a little bit of gray. What you would you... That. What would you give as a piece of advice to a youngster who wants to start up 
an IT company, a creative technology company like yourself targeting the B2B market? Well, I suppose there's a lot more products today and the startup scene is all focused around product development because it's highly scalable mm-hmm. as a model. And it will vary to a B2B services company like ourselves where we essentially are marketing services in the software development space. So the services space, I suppose, really is focused around the customer and business customers. Acquiring them is a challenge to start with. So building up that expertise and excellence takes time. You know, you can't buy experience. And so ensuring you take it project by project and make sure you deliver is critical as a always say you're only as good as your last project. So it's all well and good when you win that first piece of business, but making sure all the stages of your your service delivery are focused on making that a successful project, which will then hold you in good stead as a case study for your next one. Because mm-hmm. now our world is really around case studies, experience, which you earn over time. And it's highly expensive or costly to win clients. You know, the amount of effort you put into new business is very expensive. So, you know, I always tell our team, you know, in terms of the old hunting versus farming scenario, you know, once you win a client, it's important that we continue to maintain and look after our clients. And then you obviously will build your base from there based on that. Solid. Thank you. What underrated tools are indispensable for your life? for your job we'll probably say what's overrated or underrated i don't know i mean email and our mobile phone i mean we can't live without them but they are also the bane of our lives in a sense i mean they're amazing pieces of technology having started the business with what was really one of those old nokia brick phones yes and no smartphones you know in some ways i kind of reject them because they do own our lives now in a sense but they are indispensable as well because, you know, what would we do without them considering, you know, you can sit on the beach somewhere and run your business from your smartphone. Incredible. So, you know, I suppose without those, everything would operate much slower. So those are critical tools. Obviously, within our business, we use all sorts of software platforms to help collaboration from Slack, Microsoft Teams. We use a software platform, which is well known called Jira to manage all our projects through. and. I'm sure many other businesses have tools that work for them, but you refine and reiterate all the time in terms of better tools, better ways of working as the industry moves forward. Awesome. We're coming to the end of our time, Nick. It's been a real pleasure to chat to you, but I'd like to just ask you a couple of questions to wrap up. What's your personal focus for the next quarter as Nick in your role as the leader of Bluegrass? Um, Well, we're entering our final quarter of our financial year. So generally now we're starting to look into the next year. And from a business perspective, it's about budgeting. I mean, we've had a fantastic 2021 and our pipeline's full till the end of the year into next. So, yeah, we obviously want to raise the bar for next year. So it's not only about the financial numbers, it's about as a business, what else we can do, you know, in terms of, how we work, the trends, the technology spaces, looking at other markets. So it's strategy time in a sense, making sure we're prepared for January onwards. Is that where you throw around T-commerce and S-commerce, names I hadn't heard of before? What What is T-commerce and S-commerce? Well, I suppose these, uh, these acronyms emerge 
all the time, but T-commerce talks to the television commercial e-commerce space and S-commerce to the social media e-commerce space. Okay. I think we really start to see that through Facebook shops, mm. brands obviously using social media to sell goods and products and television likewise. I mean, you're starting to see it. And when I say television, we're also talking about YouTube, which is essentially a television channel yeah. where a lot of the advertising is happening these days in terms of adverts run before you watch something versus television but it's it's obviously driving e-commerce opportunities through that so a lot of the work now is bringing these videos to life through clickable points so if you see someone with a smart shirt or some fashion items you can actually click on the video and actually link up to purchase the item and that'll obviously play into the hands of the smart TVs that we have at home or starting to emerge for many, many of us. So we can start to interact with those more and, and, and obviously make purchases and e-commerce decisions through that. So, I mean, these Blue are Cross is enabling. Yeah, we, we play in that space. It's certainly still cutting edge in some respects for a lot of brands in South Africa, but it is emerging overseas, certainly. And it's something we can enable. I mean, we have the skills and know-how. And we're building all sorts of exciting platforms and, and solutions for customers, which will be emerging in the next three to six months. So it's an exciting time. That's, you know, my, my um, next question was, what is exciting from a tech launch perspective that you're anticipating in the next six months? And that just tees straight into it. This T-commerce sounds amazing. Well, I knew that question was coming, so yeah. <laughs> uh, I preempted you. No. What's exciting at Bluegrass is that we work on a, quite a range of different types of products and solutions for clients. So there are a lot of mobile application work and PWA work going on at the moment that crossovers to e-commerce and transactional. So we're working on both B2B and B2C solutions that impact not only the local market here, but overseas as well. Wow. There's... Probably I can't really mention specific names, but you know the, the, they are quite innovative in what they do in terms of how you pay for goods and services at a particular venue, for example, and, and so forth. So it's using all these kind of technologies that we have at our disposal to obviously make companies more effective in how they sell their products or how they transact with customers. I can't wait for you to come back and do a launch and a case study for us because I think this is really exciting. I uh, would love to get behind the curtain to see how you're doing this and just where you are from South Africa's perspective and are we behind the head alongside? What's your opinion? Just quickly, where are we with regards to these things? Well, I think we've certainly caught up and we, in some spaces, I would say we're ahead. I mean, the the example is mobile transactional payment solutions. As I say, probably for most youngsters, the first time they interact with the internet is on a mobile phone. So mm. the Africa conundrum in the sense that we geographic and socioeconomic challenges, you know, mobile technologies is a critical path. And in some ways we are leaders in that space, certainly compared to Europe, for example, how we run our utilities and everything through a mobile phone, you know. Mm. So that is a particular area that we are very strong in. Awesome, Nick. That is fantastic. Is there any summary you've got for customers who, or for companies who are not Bluegrass customers that are going into this modern age? Anything you want to say to them, advice for them? I suppose, yeah, look, we're a company that works with 
across industries. We have a lot of experience, as, as we've discussed. I mean, any customers looking to get advice, you know, which we give quite freely, happy to engage with them, discuss if we're the right partner for them, because that's what it becomes, a long-term partnership. A lot of what the work we do requires a long-term commitment from both sides. You know, we're building what would be really a part of the ecosystem and a platform that needs continued support and ongoing development. So, you know, we, we tend to look for those long-term relationships and, you know, any customer looking to probably outsource their software project or augment it with their existing team and, and bringing in the skills that something Bluegrass can help with. Awesome. Thank you very much, Nick. Nick, you've been a wonderful guest. I uh, can't wait to go and have a drink with you on the Piccadilly line one day and we can go and see some customers in the UK. But enjoy Cape Town. Enjoy your Friday. And uh, from Tech Central, we appreciate your time and coming to share with us. 20 years. Let's hope for another 20. Good luck for your year end and your quarter end. And best wishes to you and the team. From my side, Daniel Robus, I'm going to end off and let you have the last word. Great. Thank you, Daniel. Thank, thank you, Tech Central, for having me. And enjoy the weekend.